It's a mean age. But it is going to be a beautiful future as long as we don't get up. I'm Brian McWilliams, and this is Mean Age Daydream, where I bring you unfiltered comedy, criticism, philosophy, and politics with a Mean Age Daydream. Hello again, my friends. Welcome to Mean Age Daydream. I'm, of course, Brian McWilliams, the greatest man on the interwebs, at least for now, because, of course... Tucker Carlson is probably coming to eat all of our lunches. If you are not familiar with the news coming out of cable politics in the realm of Fox News, yes, Tucker Carlson has, in fact, parted ways with Fox, and I have some thoughts on that. But before I tell you about those, I want to tell you guys to join and support our show over at Patreon or Locals. We've got plenty of bonus content for you. Actually, I got to get another Secrets, Lies, and Cover-Up show on the books. You've got my morning rants. You've got bonus interviews. You've got live streams. And even though football season's over, usually you would have had degenerate gamblers talking about the world of football, placing some bets, winning some t-shirts. I've got to pay out a t-shirt. Nice t-shirt for our winner this year. Anyway, help support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty or Lions of Liberty locals. And uh, for those of you that no longer support the show, I want to give you a heartfelt fuck yourselves from the bottom of my heart. Of course, you can also support us by giving a five-star review, guys. That would be super awesome on any of the platforms you listen to or by sharing the show uh, or just on YouTube or Rumble. Hit subscribe and hit notify, please. There are... 6,500 of you out there that are subscribed to the channel, and yet almost none of you get notified because YouTube had shadow banned us for so long. Please notify about the show. Okay, so we're back into it here. And it's interesting to see what's happened over the past you know, couple days. Even though I am still in my Stupor. Of course, I was out of town at uh, former Lion of Liberty, Mark Clare's wedding in Vegas, uh, where I saw Odie and Rico and many of the other Lions of Liberty crew. Remzo Martinez was there. Great to see him. I am still in a little bit dazed, but this news, of course, when it broke, shook the world uh, yesterday on Monday. I'm recording this Tuesday and woke me from my desperate slumber when I was trying to shake off the cobwebs of the past week. Despite the fact that, of course, my wife's out of town and I am now saddled with my two young children and getting not much sleep because the babies decided to wake up. But that woke me up. Why did it wake me up? Well, of course, Tucker Carlson is the biggest name in cable news. He has the highest rated primetime show. He has really, I mean, ever since replacing Bill O'Reilly, cemented Fox News even more thoroughly as the leader in the space. Of course, he's not solely to uh, to blame for that, CNN and their Trump derangement syndrome, their adoption of completely left-wing politics. And uh, this was under, God, who was his name? It was the guy that used to head Dizzy Eisner. No, not Michael Eisner. Zucker, right? Yeah. Under Zucker, um, just destroyed the brand. So Fox News, of course, is the beneficiary of that. But at the same time, Tucker Carlson really made a name for himself by not simply towing the line, which is the dominant media industrial complex, you know, blending military with 
the narratives handed down by the state, by the deep state, by the military industrial complex, by the pharmaceutical complex, and all these things come into play as to why potentially Tucker Carlson is now out at Fox. According to the network, they had mutually separated. Now, I believe that. I believe that because Tucker Carlson was, for as large an audience as he got, woefully underpaid. Now, I don't know exactly what his contract length was. I think he was making something like 10 or 12 million a year. And he can, without a doubt, make more than that should he go out on his own Joe Rogan style, considering the massive draw he has, the name recognition, the passion in his fan base. And I'm sure that's what is going to happen. So from the perspective of did they part ways mutually? They probably did. Because Carlson probably wants pure anonymity, uh, not anonymity, I should say pure autonomy from having to kiss anybody's ass, having to answer to anybody editorially in what he wants to do. If you believe sources like Brian Stelter, the uh, chunky potato that used to be employed by CNN and was hilariously one of the very first on the chopping block and for very good reason, well, he had said that Tucker Carlson had that autonomy, that there was nobody that was overseeing his content at Fox, and that's why it went off the rails so badly. Now, maybe that's true, and maybe this, this parting of the ways actually has resulted from Carlson wanting to maintain his editorial freedom to talk about and, and put out you know documentaries or mini docs of the footage found from January 6th, or to talk about the big pharma's influence and COVID shots, which of course he has, and, and I'm sure the Fox advertisers in the pharma space are not happy about it, or to talk about the absolutely ridiculous war complex that we operate under, which I'm sure pisses off people at Raytheon and Boeing that advertise on Fox. He's probably made a good amount of enemies in the Fox advertisers. But as you've seen, when you have a show of that magnitude, it doesn't matter. They've had calls for people to boycott Tucker Carlson's show before. And the brands that stupidly followed these idiots on Twitter, that activists that are crying for these boycotts and decided they were going to pull their program or pull their advertisements. Well, there were other companies more than happy to get a little discount bump to, put, to fill that space. Because frankly, you have demographics that range from not just the GOP supporters, not just conservatives, not just libertarians or anti-war, but well into the Democrat space. The demographics that Tucker Carlson brought in were a lot of former CNN viewers or MSNBC viewers that decided this is pure bias I'm being fed here and I'm not going to watch anymore. Those who were turned off by the Russiagate scandal, that were turned off by all of the nonsense with Trump or all the nonsense about uh, the Proud Boys or whatever they might be pushing at any given time. Or maybe those that just had noticed the narrative being repeated 4,000 times by all these left-wing networks in unison all the time, showcasing exactly what media government complex we work under, the machine at work. Now, interestingly enough, Matt Tiabi, 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 there we go. I think I got it the third time. Uh, I've invited him to come on the show. He has never responded to an email, so I could give two shits if I get his name right at this point. But Tiabi has uh, with The Racket, which is his new branded newsletter, Substack thing, whatever you want to call it, they have put together a video of MSNBC lying. And basically, well, I can say, you can say lying. 
repetitively endorsing the Hamilton 68 chicanery, which was, as we now know, complete nonsense put together to try to convince us that there was Russian disinformation and bots at work here, which was just an operation of the state. Uh, which is so like so many other times, these operations of the state are obfuscated through various quote unquote civil or civic organizations. And I can't remember, I was just discussing this on someone else's show uh, very recently, but the number of organizations that team up with government slash deep state to give them the aura of authenticity or of legitimacy are always comprised of people that have graduated from those very same deep state universities, uh, like the CIA, like the FBI, which, yes, let's call them what they are. They are universities for government to create people to lie to you. That is what they are there for. That is what they exist for. Now we see it plain and simple. I mean, might as well just call them out for what they are. But they graduate from these universities uh, or they graduate from working within the government apparatus. And then they go into the private sector, quote unquote, private sector, which is also usually nonprofit. They create organizations that solely exist to rubber stamp the evils of government and try to convince the population, well, that this separate organization has said it's okay and we're working hand in hand with them. They're not associated with the government. They're an NGO. They're a nonprofit. They're not-for-profit. They can't be accused of doing something underhanded or not having the good of the people at heart. I mean, these poor people aren't even making money, except they are making tons of money because everybody that works there is getting paid out the ass. Circling back, Tucker Carlson developed his audience because he had a reputation for not towing that line. So it remains to be seen whether or not he was ousted because Fox wanted to rein in more of that autonomy that he possessed, especially in the wake of the Dominion uh, scandal in which Fox has now lost $800 billion in decision uh, against Dominion, uh, what do you call them, the, uh, the ballot, ballot machines, saying that they were hacked, saying that they were miscounting ballots and all that good stuff. Of course, there's also the January 6th stuff in which Rupert Murdoch was being pressured to rein it in from all sides and tell Tucker Carlson he could no longer talk about it. Whether or not that worked is for uh, debate. He did quite a lengthy segment on January 6th on one show and then curtailed it on the next. The question would be there, how much more was there to see that he wasn't permitted to show? So Tucker being out is, is par for the course. And in my opinion, this is the Tucker Carlson moment in decentralizing from the machine. You also had Dan Bongino leave the space. You also had Don Lemon get fired. Now, Lemon's a different situation. Of course, I would expect Don Lemon to try to create a podcast called Lemon Party, which, of course, will draw a different type of audience than he is looking for. <laughs> or maybe the exact kind of audience he's looking for. Horny old gay men that want to get together with the older, elderly old horny gay men. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. That might be an unexplored niche. Perhaps John and I should scrap this show and go after it. Lead to a lot less frustration in our lives. I also was laughing, by the way, <laughs> because you now have a member of the protected class in Don Lemon, right? He is a gay black man which would have been untouchable. And don't forget, he's also very stupid. And uh, if you'll recall, when I had Lou Perez on, uh, it was you know, a buddy of mine, stand-up comedian, and also an, also an author in his book, That Joke's Not Funny, he has this wheel of what is considered to be 
a disability or a protected class. And he has dumb people listed in there because they are, a, without a doubt, a class that makes up a very large percentage of our population and a very large percentage of those who demand to be protected and are given those protections because they are so stupid without noticing it or without being uh, having the wherewithal to acknowledge that that is why they are being protected and given these things. Don Lemon is dumb, gay, and black, and was protected for years for some odd reason, despite absolutely abysmal ratings, despite repetitively putting his foot in his mouth and pissing people off on all sides of the aisle, and now finally has been fired. So if you're Kareem Jean-Pierre, who of course was hired because she is black and a lesbian, and apparently also very fucking stupid, possibly one of the stupidest people I've ever seen in my life, well, you got to be looking around like, fuck, like I'm, I'm in for it. Apparently my shield has dropped. Apparently, you know, the defenses on the Death Star have been penetrated and there is a uh, fate or Fozon Corpedo or a, I don't even know what you call them in Star Wars versus Star Trek, but she should be worried. Now you're seeing Bongino not being able to come to terms with Fox because, frankly, there's way too much money to be made going after one's population, going after one's audience with your own show when you've achieved that level of notoriety. Tucker knows this. Again, this is why I think he's left. But this is a wonderful thing for displacing the stranglehold that the machine has us. When you have these massive personalities that are escaping the gravitational pull of this government corporate media you know, narrative sphere, which they keep such a tight grasp on, you have basically led down the path to what we'd had all envisioned when the internet kind of came out before you had all this censorship be exposed, before you had all these different decentralized options kind of be recoagulated again under some of these big corporate branches, which is what happened, by the way. When you think about how the internet had sprung out, there were all of these independent uh, I guess not quite news at the time. Let's just say there was AOL, there was Yahoo, there's always all these individual groups, individual companies that sprung out that people had interacted with, that they jumped on and used for various things, but they were still brought under these corporate banners at the time for massive fees, which of course failed miserably because the internet is something that moves so quickly so spontaneously and gets bored so easily that to make these investments is almost always going to be a loss. Now, that's a good thing for us, because that means that these giant corporations, which we know are in bed with government, are scared from trying to make these big moves to, to crush and, and suck up their competition in order to control them and make profits off them in their own way. In this day and age, you also wonder whether or not they're, bu they're buying them to make a profit or whether they're buying them just to destroy them, right? because it does seem that so often they buy them just to kill them off. I mean- not Tinder, uh, what was that? Tumblr. Wow, what a perfect example of buying something that was known for one thing and one thing primarily. Well, two things, art and porn. And then the company that bought it at the time, and I'm trying to remember who snapped it up, but they basically said, all right, we're getting rid of all the porn. It died instantly. I mean, it's. I guess it still exists in some way, shape, or form, but nobody uses it. And you wonder, okay, did they buy it just to to destroy it because nothing they did made any sense in this regard. And you've seen it happen time and time and time and time again. Point being, <laughs> the appetite shouldn't be there 
to gobble these things up anymore and try to, to bring them under the corporate umbrella, nor should the appetite be there to be bought if you are a Tucker Carlson, if you're a Bongino. Joe Rogan, he had his own, you know, own autonomy, I guess, on YouTube in a way. YouTube can still censor the shit out of you, as we know very well. But he still has his show run his way under Spotify, got paid out the ass. Now, if that breaks down, Rogan can go do his own thing very easily. But it's still decentralized from a mainstream corporate environment. Rogan is not part of the NBC lineup. He doesn't have a talk show that replaced Jay Leno, for example. He doesn't have a talk show that replaces some news anchor. He didn't replace Brian Williams when Brian Williams was disgraced. He has his own decentralized platform, which is editorially unique. This is the future. And the reason I think this is the future is because everything that's coming up now is personalities that are developing their voice on the decentralized platform. You're not really seeing in any meaningful way these corporate cable giants creating personalities like they used to. The odds that you're going to have somebody come up within that structure, and look, Megyn Kelly also spun her thing off. Maybe she'll go back, maybe she won't. But unlike the corporate Disney machine, which can generate these pop stars out of nothing constantly and groom them up into becoming uh, future stars that'll then dress really, really slutty like a Miley Cyrus or an Ariana Grande or any of the other ones that, that have gone off the deep end. Well, the ability for the corporate machine to do that doesn't seem to exist anymore. I mean, if you think about it, I couldn't name a single person that some up-and-coming star outside of Tucker Carlson. And Tucker Carlson had been a commentator, I guess, made his way and, and kind of switched from network to network to network. But that was also during the heyday of networks. When he was on, I think he was like on MSNBC at one point, right? On CNN. And he had a notoriety in multiple audiences when those had a captivated audience, which was not off watching Rogan or off watching me. <laughs> Talk about whatever. This is back when people watch CNN at airports. Now, the audience is so diversified. It's so splintered that to try to create a media personality like that is going to be nigh impossible. I mean, Don Lemon might be the poster child for this. Talk about Tucker being the poster boy for success. Don Lemon might be the poster boy for failure in this regard because they tried their best to make him into the Tucker Carlson for CNN. And it failed miserably. Anderson Cooper used to be the big dog, right? Anderson Cooper is barely a shit now. He's barely a fart in the wind, except to a very small number of people. So I don't think they can groom up anybody to replace a Tucker Carlson at Fox News. I don't think CNN can replace a Don Lemon. They would have to look outward and try to bring in a popular personality from somewhere else to replace these people but there's no incentive to do that if you're already outside the machine. Because you know all that's going to happen is you're going to be told what to say, how often to repeat it, ad nauseum. You're going to be editorially controlled and strangled. And then after all that, they still might tell you to fuck off because you didn't quite do it well enough. Or as we're seeing, they want to try to pop somebody else into the machine, into the grist mill, and try to put them up because you're just not hacking it. And frankly, it might not even be your fault because, like I just said, it's not possible anymore to create these personalities. It's like Saturday Night Live. Nobody coming out of Saturday Night Live is famous anymore either. 
Why? Because people don't watch Saturday Night Live religiously anymore. Because they're sick of being propagandized by Saturday Night Live. Because they know what they're being fed and it doesn't work. So Saturday Night Live is desperate to pull people in from the internet. But they don't have the incentive. The Tucker Carlson moment is, in my opinion, going to be one of the great death knells for corporate media moving forward. Now, corporate media, of course, is propped up by the largest money backers in the world. Big pharma, military industrial complex, government. But at some point, just like we saw with Anheuser-Busch, which I'm going to talk about momentarily, when you have corporate interests and pharma interests and whatever else interests going up against audiences who simply don't want to watch that product anymore or are sick of being propagandized by that product, it's not going to work. You're going to collapse. You're going to lose money. And that's what we're going to see happen. You're going to see, I would say, you're going to see a, another major network fold within the next two years. I don't know if it's going to be Fox, but I could definitely see CNN folding if they don't completely reverse course. And even then, I don't know if it's going to work. CNN's bleeding money, absolutely bleeding money. NBC and their new Peacock streaming service is losing something like a, a billion dollars a month. They can't compete in the diversified marketplace. The, I, the free market of ideas is actually winning out here. Tucker Carlson is a perfect example of that. The free market of ideas, Tucker Carlson bringing a different marketplace that people wanted to hear, a different opinion. That's what is the difference. And that's why it has to exist separate from the corp corporatocracy media here. The worry, of course, is the Alex Jones syndrome of being under the banner of an Amazon you know, web services, which owns something like, and I've talked about this before, something like 70% of the servers in the world are on AWS. I was just talking about this at a trade show, again, why I'm so exhausted, because I went from a trade show to running a charity gala to a wedding, and now back with my kids who won't sleep. It's been a very, very long week for me. But I'm at this trade show. It's all about broadcasting. It's the National Association of Broadcaster Show. I'm there with a streaming video analytics company. But we're talking about how, you know, within that, that ecosystem, Amazon Web Services went down and nobody could broadcast and nobody could stream and nobody could analyze anything because their servers are so prevalent in the world. That's the new fear. And that's why I know people are already working on decentralized web servers and decentralized web hosts that are maybe backed by crypto or backed by, um, you know, one way, shape, or form, you cannot simply close down like an Alex Jones scenario, or you can pivot. I mean, for example, you know, look at Odyssey. Now, Odyssey, of course, is, is the backbone of Odyssey is decentralized. You can't shut it down. You can't force them to take anything off because it's just not going to work that way. They've got their own token for it. That needs to be the future because otherwise, as independent as Tucker Carlson might want to be, he could still be removed from the internet by the Amazons, by the government, by the AOCs of the world who are already on record saying that Tucker Carlson should have his free speech revoked in a, in a psychotic rant that for some reason nobody wants to talk about within the mainstream media corporate structure. Why? Well, because Tucker is the enemy, free speech is the enemy, independent thinking is the enemy, and they know it. They know that the stranglehold they have on the narrative is breaking down and as we've discussed on the show previously, the government 
working to control the narrative, the media working under the government to put forth divisive topics that try to break up families, that try to break up friendships, that try to break up your ability to exist within your community, which you can depend on instead of having to depend on government for everything. If they can keep that stranglehold, well, then the empire might just live on. They know for a fact that they're losing it. And they can see the cracks coming back up they can see the dissatisfaction, the dissatisfaction. I can't talk. Dissatisfaction. Fuck me. Ugh, it's so hard to do these shows and I'm tired. Um, the dissatisfaction in the general population with government and the operation, the, the, the go-to operational mode of government when they see the population becoming dissatisfied is always to crack down harder, uh, to put out more propaganda. I mean, look to China, look to Russia. You can see all these things come into play. That's the de facto mode. And right now they've been working overtime. The engines are running red. All right, there you go. Tucker Carlson moment, guys. It will be a vital one. It will be an important one. Next thing to talk about here, uh, real quick, we'll talk about Anheuser-Busch. I uh, saw their sales are down 17% now. I had called this. I told you that they were going to have repercussions beyond simply losing the 5% market cap. Now, some people bought back in in the marketplace there. Some of the brokers, they saw the dip and they said, okay, this is still going to be a strong stock. I'll buy it internationally. Well, they may or may not pay off on that. In the long term, it might. might. Anheuser-Busch has been a long, long They'll probably write the ship. But the question is how long it's going to take and how arduous a process that's going to be. By the way, I'll tell you right now, between the uh, the segment before I want to say right here, hey, go visit masachips.com, guys. You can use promo code LIONS to get a discount on your order and support a libertarian company, an entrepreneur-based company, creating delicious beef tallow fried uh, tortilla chips. I have had them. They are wonderful. You'd be supporting a startup company. Check them out. You're all supporting our show by going through and using that promo code LIONS. But getting back to Anheuser, they're going to figure it out. Now, they fired, well, I can say fired. They had a take of leave for two of the people responsible for the Dylan Mulvaney flap. The lead gal who was out there, of course, crapping all over Bud Light, saying that they were a brand that needed to be resuscitated. And somehow, the funniest thing is this broad talking about how the brand had been in decline when it was the biggest brand on the East Coast, like Yingling, actually Yingling is coming and trying to eat its lunch, but for a long time, Bud Light was the biggest brand along the East Coast, at least. I know that for a fact. So it wasn't in decline. But crapping all over the drinkers of Bud Light on a, a podcast and saying that they were out of touch, their fratty humor, you know, yada, yada, just insulting, insulting things. And that the de facto answer for how to revitalize the brand was to be inclusive, inclusivity, which is what stupid people say. That's, you know, that's a, a Karine Jean-Pierre answer for what the answer to revitalize your brand is. It is never going to be inclusivity because number one, inclusivity means that you're going to have a million different forms of outreach, none of which are necessarily going to be overlapping in a coherent way with each other and invite this type of reaction. But also simply saying we're going to be everything for everybody has never been ever, ever a good idea in branding and marketing. Not once. You need to create one concept or at most two concepts that let people know what you're about 
what your proposition is for and saying, we're all things to all people. And then creating many campaigns for all those things is not going to be effective in the long run or even in the short run. And it's going to be very expensive as we're seeing. But anyway, these two people are on leave. Uh, the gal who headed up the VP of Bud Light Marketing and then also somebody who oversaw the uh, the marketing for major branding in, in the company. They're out. Shocked if they return. Bud Light creates a very patronizing commercial full of patriotic imagery and, you know, hey, we like this country and blah, blah, blah. The CEO puts out a truly terrible, as, we, as I talked about with, with Brian Nichols last show, a truly terrible apology slash non-apology, nothing in it was apologetic, which of course just came across as a bigger insult to the main audience. And now we're seeing that Bud Light is down 17% in sales. Now, I think it's going to be worse than that. Again, you're seeing the distributors freak out. Distributors are apparently meeting with Bud Light executives this week to figure out what the fuck they're going to do about this situation because no one's buying Bud Light. So that 17% drop is probably going to be more like a 25% drop in sales and maybe even greater. So it's up to this company now to figure out how far they can push the ESG and if they're over it. Just like Vanguard said, we're over this ESG bullshit. Uh, it certainly seems like Bud Light might want to take a step back right now as a bush and say, this ain't worth it. And I'd argue that it was going to come to a head when it comes to ESG, where it simply is not going to be powered anymore. It doesn't matter if they say you're not inclusive enough. It doesn't matter if they lower your HRC score, because if you don't have money to pay your, you know, pay your dividends and your stock is in free fall and no one's buying your beer, well, it doesn't really fucking matter how inclusive you are because you don't have a company anymore. And the stakeholders that are involved in that and the executives who are going to all be fired are aware of that. So this, again, like the Tucker Carlson moment, the Bud Light moment may just be a great straw that broke the camel's back in this moment, or at least sets it back quite a bit. Oh, a couple more things to talk about. Then I'm going to wrap it up here. I, uh, I was actually in a, a, a quite a, a long back and forth talking about trans with some trans activists because I had seen a post about a bill in Missouri that people were claiming basically inhibited the ability of adults to transition, their ability to get drugs. And I said, I've never heard of anything like that. It's all, these bills are supposedly protecting children. And I had read one article that said that was the target of this bill. But then after finding the bill and interacting with these people, because I read like 10 articles and I couldn't find the goddamn link to the bill itself, even Googling it. And all that came up was articles, 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 couldn't find the exact bill. And then finally some, somebody gave it to me, but i tell you what, they were right. This bill, um, you know, announced by Attorney General Andrew Bailey, an emergency regulation targeting gender transition procedures for minors, supposedly. Well, it actually gets deeper into it. And if you read the actual bill or the actual emergency declaration, it does limit adult access to drugs. Uh, it makes them go through some pretty ridiculous loops and hoops to jump through. They have to uh, go and get a screening to see if they have autism. They have to get a screening to make sure that the psychiatrist referring it has seen them and you know, it's like, and make sure that they are not suffering from X, Y, and Z. I mean, it is, it's a pretty amazing bill. It's pretty insulting because look, there's one thing in protecting children, all for that, all for that. 
figuring out at what, at what point a child can consent. But we're talking about adults here. We're talking about functional adults. And even if an adult has autism, I'm sorry, he's, that, that person, he or she is still an adult with autism. And to say that they're not allowed to transition, they're not allowed to experiment or do whatever they want with their own body because they happen to have autism, well, f- that's fucking ridiculous. To say that they have to go through these these multiple screenings and and again, yeah, you know, it's like I'm trying to remember all the different ramifications that they had in this, but it was unbelievably deep, unbelievably deep that you had to go through in order to get your drugs or continue taking your drugs. I mean, I, I was just shaking my head because now it's an assault on the basic ability for people to operate and control their own body. I mean, it comes back down in many ways to. The argument about, you know, using drugs and whether or not you should be able to put drugs in your body. Well, of course, I think you should be able to put any drug in your body. It's your body. If you're not hurting anybody else with that body, then go for it. And this is a, a scenario wherein you're talking about people trying to adjust the look of their body, their hormonal makeup of their body. And as an adult, you should be able to do that as many times as you want. You might be able to regret it. Many people do regret it. Many people don't. But to say that under the auspices of a bill protecting children from gender altering care, that they wedge in all of these different um, limitations and frankly, outright blockades to adults. I mean, that's just Trojan horse shit. That's just, that is a truly hateful bill. So just want to acknowledge that. And last thing, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, LA City Councilwoman, but I'm going to play you this imbecilic woman. She is the idiot of the week. I keep forgetting to put a, I have a wonderful little song that Toad from Tower Gang made, and I keep forgetting to put it to a video so I can play it in the context of this stream yard, this video feed. But this came from Councilwoman Neetha Raymond, and she is on record blaming Toyota because Priuses get their catalytic converter stolen. And apparently, it's just too easy to get to them, which is insane, by the way. It's not like you can reach under it and just pop it off with a flick of your finger. You still have to jack a car up, two-man job. You still have to cut through piping. You still have to cut through to get to this catalytic converter and pop it out there and have all the right tools and do it in the dead of night without being caught. This fucking dumbass bitch showcases the mentality we have from these leftist lawmakers, especially in cities like Los Angeles or Chicago or San Francisco, where I just told you, literally a catalytic converter was just stolen from my brother-in-law's car a couple of weeks ago. But remember, it was the car's fault for not making it more difficult to access. And apparently car manufacturers should think about that when they're designing cars, right? Because that's the top of, top of your list. When you're trying to make a fucking car that's functional, roadworthy, you know, affordable, is to figure out where to put a catalytic converter so nobody can steal it. Anyway, let me play this for you, and that'll be that'll be it. And I do apologize that I'm uh, I'm not quite, like I said, not quite all there today. I'm just too exhausted. Okay, here we go. Let me mute my mic. Instead of responding to it with work with urgency, with focus on actually addressing the issue, we say, oh, we'll just ban it. We'll just, we'll just ban it and that'll be the end of it. Instead of actually thinking about what is gonna address this issue in a very real way. In this case, I think one of the things that really infuriates me is that 
we have a company, a, you know, the Prius, whatever, Toyota, who makes the Prius, um, that essentially has a device on their cars, which is super easy to remove. It's basically the value of a MacBook, right? That is put in a place that is incredibly easy to access in your car. And then the thefts related to this issue have essentially all of the costs of that are given to us to bear instead of them having to manufacture a car that actually is not so easy to be stolen. It's up to us to make a car that's not so easy to be stolen. What is this bitch talking about? I mean, can you imagine going out there and thinking that somehow this is the trump card you're playing, instead of talking about any of the other reasons that these thefts happen, instead of talking about any of the other concepts or ideas that might lead to a reduction in this. I mean, look, the other bills aren't perfect, right? The bill that's talking about uh, punishing the ownership of a catalytic converter if you're not a dealership or one that doesn't have a stamp on it. That's what the other bills are proposing. But at least they go and try to punish the criminals, This chick, who naturally is going after the people that are her people, right? The the minority communities, the people that are the downtrodden, the lower class, right? That are, yes, also the people that are doing the thefts. I mean, if we're being perfectly honest, Johnny Middle Class in San Francisco isn't going to be doing the theft. Johnny Middle Class didn't take my brother-in-law's catalytic converter (laughs) just recently. (laughs) But it's just so ridiculous that she can't even comprehend that, yeah, you might want to punish the criminals because that might lead to an uncomfortable conversation about who the criminals are in her district. Now, this kind of reminds me a little bit of Bill Maher. Like Bill Maher has actually seemed to have gone out of his way to touch the third rails now. He's been doing it with COVID. He now, the last time he had uh, his last show, which actually I did a Good Morning Fuckhead rant on, which is over at our Patreon or the the, uh, locals community, touched on the fact that most of the violence being done in America is black-on-black violence by young black men. Now, that's something that you're not allowed to say out in in the open, right? A black Harvard professor was literally censored by his organization, literally called a hate monger and a bigot, and all of a sudden made, made to retract a paper that showcased not only that a lot of this violence happened between black communities, but also that the police weren't shooting any black people out of the ordinary. You know, there wasn't a higher level of police shootings that were killing black people versus white people. He was made to retract all this. I mean, Bill Maher saying in this skit that, or this uh, clip that ran on his last show, where are the black celebrities standing up to say, hey, this is an issue. And not since Bill Cosby got in trouble for drugging pudding pops, we haven't had anybody stand up for it. That's just a stone cold fact. And what's funny to me is, you know, she's talking about how, oh, well, these, these carburetors, you know, these, these catalytic converters are so easy to get to as if Toyota just was lazy in their design, right? <laughs> and as if it's so easy to go back and redesign the Prius to make it deeper in there as if that wouldn't cost them millions of dollars and call for a complete retrofitting of how everything is done. And look, lady, if this was a trans person, then yeah, you could argue that Maybe they should be able to reconfigure their innards without any issue. But we're talking about a car that has been developed for a specific purpose at a specific price point that runs a specific way. And I would argue that human beings are very similar and we probably shouldn't fuck with them either. But you know what? (laughs) If one should be able to 
conversely change their innards around as is your wishings, then isn't it the right of the Toyota Prius to say that they reject the hormones and allow their pipes to be accessible to all people? I'm making a little bit of a ridiculous comparison here, but this argument's so ridiculous that I feel like I have to. It's just, it's so absolutely fucking stupid. So beating around the bush of any major issue and blaming a car manufacturer because a part got stolen. And it's not like just Priuses get these parts stolen. It's every car. Some are easier than other ones, but still, it's difficult to do. It's not like you can walk up and flick it off with your thumbnail. It takes a jack. It takes a cutter. It takes two-man job. It takes people to be on watch because clearly you're not supposed to be doing it. I mean, it's unbelievably stupid. But that's where we are right now. That's where we are. You're not allowed to honestly discuss an issue because should you honestly discuss that issue, well, you'll lose your constituents and you'll be called a a blamer, a victim blamer, because these people are victims of society, even though they're taking advantage of the people that own these cars to rob them, to rip them off and to sell them. But remember, it's the car's fault, not the people. It's just so stupid. All right. That's going to wrap up the show, guys. I apologize. This has been a little bit of a... uh, a tricky one for me, as I said, it's been an unbelievably long week of, uh, you know, I was in Vegas for work, up late, because my clients are foreigners, Spanish foreigners, and if you don't know about the Spanish, they stay up very late, and uh, both nights I was up, you know, like, okay, I'll go out with you, and then just, oh, God, then come home, charity gala, up late, stressed out, and then right back to Vegas for this wedding, and then, of course, come back into town, and my wife is back in Vegas for her work trip, so I have the kids alone and a baby that woke me up at 1 a.m. and then 4 a.m., and then that was just up. That was it. So I would tell you to share the show. Do I want you to share the show? Yeah. You know what? Fuck it. Share the show. <laughs> tell a friend. Subscribe. Hit the notify button. Um, we are here. We will be here doing the uh, the sweet libertarian Lord's work, and I will be focusing, refocusing. There's so much of this breaking news right now. It's a little bit tricky to do it, but I promise you I am refocusing and the next couple episodes will in fact tackle uh, the freedom futurism that I am working on. They will tackle painting a picture of a brighter future, what we can promise people, a little bit of the sci-fi fantasy aspect to that of what can be possible with the philosophy that we and I talk about here. So, Thank you for listening. I am Brian McWilliams. This has been Mean Age Daydream on the Lions of Liberty Network. Keep those electric eyes, those tired electric eyes on me, babe. And keep that ray gun to my head. See you next time.